This is episode number 028 of the Reno Slant. Someone, yeah, bring those pictures of the puppies over here. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Well, that sucked. Big time. Ouch. Nevada got absolutely clowned on at San Diego State for a second loss of the season. Adam and I will share what we think that loss means. And then we are moving on to more fun things. Uh, our guest this week made some ripples in the Nevada fan base in Reno about a month ago. Mike Randall, co-host of Screen the Screener podcast, and on uh, an analyst for Action Network, Rip Nevada and the fan base after the Air Force game, basically saying the team and the fan base needed to wake up. And after that rant, I don't think there was a correlation, but after that rant, Nevada woke up, started playing excellent basketball. And then uh, tonight, not as much the case. So uh, Mike and I, we did have a great conversation. Um, how does he feel about the team now? We did the conversation on Monday, so before the San Diego State game, but we did do what if scenarios, what if Nevada wins, what if Nevada lost? Because as we've talked about, that was a game that was on the counter for a while. It's just a team that has had Nevada's number for a, a while now. I mean, ever since Nevada's joined the Mountain West. What's his relationship with the fan base now, Mike's? What are his concerns about this team going forward? Were those concerns that we saw in the game tonight? You gotta listen to the conversation for that. And considering the expectations, Every game for Nevada now is big this year, especially now that Nevada has work to do if it wants to get back into the West region and be a, you know, a three or four seed. And that includes two games coming up this week at home against Fresno on Saturday. It's going to be a whiteout and at home against UNLV on Wednesday. Time to put this one in the rearview mirror and start looking ahead to those two. The game next Wednesday, Nick Fazekas getting his number retired. You know, it's going to be an absolute party at Lawler for that, especially the fact that it's against the Rebs. So what do we need to know about the Bulldogs and Rebs, favorite players, keys to wins, and predictions for Slants Games of the Weekend? We're going to throw one new one in there, baseball, um, just because Nevada baseball season had started. Wolfpack got off to a pretty good start down in Texas and then a, a fun rally at UC Davis on Tuesday. Social, some great questions from you guys this week in random Reno. Our iTunes five-star review of the week this week comes from Sparky MSL. The intro music, great. The Nevada sports commentary, fantastic. Random Reno, exactly what I need in life. So Sparky MSL, thanks for the love. Shoot us your Venmo username. We'll make sure to shoot you a dollar on Venmo. And then, of course, you get all the, the fame and glory that comes with being the Reno Slant iTunes review of the week for episode number 028. If you want to get in the running for iTunes five-star review of the week next week, you know what to do. If you're listening on iTunes, just scroll down to write a review, give us some love, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out on the show next week. So, bro, you're, like, exhausted right now. You don't know what time it is because you got back from Brazil just the other day. Uh, do you Do you know what time it is? Other than if my clock wasn't right in front of my face, I would have had no clue. I I knocked out way early last night. Yesterday was my first day back. So you were kind of unplugged while you were in Brazil. 
you didn't completely unplug and you found a way to get posterized, absolutely dunked on by Jay Billis on Twitter. And I started laughing so I, cause I missed it. And then you, you had to text me. I'm like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was hilarious. So have you recovered emotionally since then? Emotionally, yeah. I mean, I was just more confused than anything because I don't know how many times I've tweeted at, you know, high status celebs or, you know, verified people and, you know, you never get anything back. And I honestly, I think I was at breakfast or something and I tweeted it just kind of like I had Wi-Fi that morning. It was one of the few times I had Wi-Fi. I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then when I got Wi-Fi later, you know, I was, like you said, I was unplugged. I, you know, I was spending 80% 80% of the day with no connection. All of a sudden, my Twitter mentions had just blown up. And I was like, <laughs> what the? I was like, thinking, I was like, what the hell did I tweet? And then I just saw, not only had I just gotten completely destroyed by that time, so much time had passed that had I responded, I would have looked like that guy who yep. had a way to day to, to rebuttal. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I just got to wear this one now. So those who didn't see it, uh, there was a, a shot of, I forget where it was at. There was a student who had a halftime shot during like, during game day or whatever. He won $19,000. Billis made a comment. So the student who, who accomplishes an athletic feat gets a $19,000 check, but the student athlete doesn't get anything. And Adam said, BS, basically arguing that student athletes are compensated. Billis said, nope, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Went on and his tweet got like a thousand likes or something. It, yeah. it was, I was, I was definitely not in the right in the opinion of Twitter. <laughs> it was great. G- great pub for the podcast though. <laughs> good work. Some good content there. That's, uh, what I'm here, that's what I'm here for. So we'll, we'll do some damage control on the San Diego state game here in a second, but we need to talk about something first. St. Patrick's Day is in three and a half weeks. Mardi Gras is in two weeks, bro. What are you wearing for St. Patrick's Day? You got it figured out yet? I'm wearing green. I'm wearing a Tipsy Elves shirt. That's right. You're rocking Tipsy Elves. We both ordered our stuff uh, over the weekend. I'm especially stoked. I ordered the Leprechaun Sketch t-shirt. Uh, it's basically, if you guys have seen the YouTube video about the community in Alabama where they, they see the Leprechaun or they think they do and someone draws like an amateur sketch of this Leprechaun, it is hilarious. <laughs> you guys got t- uh, typed into YouTube. So it's an awesome t-shirt. It's one of the best sell- sellers on Tipsy Elves' website. Going to Chicago for St. Patty's Day weekend. Pumped to wear that thing. You guys need to make sure and get yours and any other hilarious t-shirts, tanks, suits, accessories for men and women, either for St. Patrick's Day or for for Mardi Gras. Just visit tipsyelves.com and exclusive for the Reno Slant listeners, exclusive for you guys, use promo code SLANT20 at checkout for 20% off all Mardi Gras and St. Patrick's Day apparel. Yes, but the entire website that's tipsyelves.com. Use slant20 for 20% off at checkout. All right. 65-57 L at San Diego State. Nevada drops to 24-2, and 11-2 in Mountain West play. San Diego State moves to 17-9, 18-4. I believe that's 13 straight home conference wins for the Aztecs. As always, I'm going to let you start. What do you make of this one? I mean, other than the slow start, horrible play, just awful environment, it just had a total New Mexico feel from the start to the mm-hmm. finish. It Even when Nevada kind of started clawing towards the end, the, the gambler inside of me said there was a chance, but 
the realistic side of me was just like the way that they had played cumulative, cumulatively. I mean, even when they were down, I think it was nine towards the end. Yeah. Or not nine. They got it, it was, they got it within six with like a minute 20 left. Yeah. And you said, I started to think there was a chance, but it just, yeah, it was an ugly game. They couldn't get anything going. It felt like any time they were about to make some sort of run, there'd either be a silly turnover, a defensive lapse to a bucket, a ridiculous foul, and there were myriad ridiculous whistles, and now they just couldn't get anything going. Mm-hmm. Nothing. My first point really is I'm, I'm really, there was a lot you could, the refs stunk in that one. I mean, I think the Mount West would tell you. I mean, there were just some brutal calls. It's not on them though. I really am stupefied by the performance. I, I, I cannot comprehend it, especially the way they can, came out of the gates. They just, they didn't look ready. If it looked like every game Nevada plays against San Diego State, I feel like we'd watched that game like 20 times before. Yeah. Just uh, this, this, the same. San same Diego s- State played faster than normal, but they were in complete control. Their, their defense was, they completely stymied Nevada. I mean, that was the worst Nevada's offense has looked all year. And Nevada knew what San Diego State was going to do. They know who San Diego State is. And Nevada had additional incentive considering what's happened in the past, considering that Hemsley decided to run his mouth on Monday. And you know the guys cared about it. When Caleb threw down that dunk at the end, that ultimately didn't matter. He stared down Hemsley. You know that Caleb knew about it, and he was thinking about that. Uh, offense was completely stagnant. They turned the ball over a ton in the first half. Ten first half turnovers turned into 17 San Diego State points. The telecast kept pumping up San Diego State's defense, and they were they were strong defensively. You can't take that away from them. Nevada's offense did no, itself no favors. Just stagnant offense. It, it, it looked like the first half, of the stretch, first stretch of Mountain West play, like the Boise State game or, or the Air Force game, where it's just kind of dribble around, try to make something happen, reverted back to some old habits. And I even, I felt bad for Jordan Caroline. For a player as good as he is, he, he was completely shook. That, that was his worst game in a Nevada uniform. And it, I, you cannot make heads or tails of it. And you, you talk about bad officiating. The T on him after he, he dunked on dude, you could hear it on TV. I was, I would have sworn he said, and one. I mean, you could have called and one on every layup in that game. Mm-hmm. And, the, and they, and they tee him up for that. What do we got? Yeah. Just, whistle happy, whistle happy there. Yeah, so just just all around a disappointing night that the guys couldn't respond against a team that has been a thorn in its side. You know, these seniors are pissed at San- I mean, I, I I hurt for the seniors. I can't imagine how pissed they are right now. And yeah. especially that Jeremy Hemsley ran his mouth on Monday and then backed it up, was the player of the game, got the post-game interview. Um, just a, a tough night all around. Oh, 100%. And on top of that, to make matters even worse, how we've had some of the commentary and with March right around the corner, the the odds were slim to any, but there goes any chance at number two. There pretty much goes any chance at a three seed. I would say now a four seed is kind of mm, – not a four seats kind of on the fence. Now we're going to be in that four or five range and it's going to be, this is, this is the type of cake, the sweets that any of these, the big brand commentators, the big brand East coast, whatever yeah. market people needed to say, look, this Nevada team's a joke that we've been telling you guys all season. They can't compete when it comes to the big time. So just, 
it's insult to injury on top of just adding another loss. I mean, it's still in realistic terms, just two losses, but this is exactly what everybody that's not a Nevada fan was wanting. Yeah, the the East Coast, the Power Five programs, those who vouched for them loved the game tonight. Absolutely loved it because the question now becomes, how much does this hurt? How, how far does Nevada fall? John Rothstein said immediately after the game, Nevada's probably on the five or six line, which is absolutely brutal. So brutal. You're 24 and two. You try to schedule. You have teams collapse that are on your schedule. You still win 24 of the 26 games you play. Your non-conference schedule, and we talk about this with Mike, Mike Randall coming up. Your non-conference is better than the likes of Virginia and Michigan and Gonzaga. And the list goes on and on of schools that Nevada still has a better non-conference than. And Nevada's going to get raked over the coals here because the Mountain West stinks. That's painful. And that is what scares you when you now think about long-term what's going to happen with Muss. Because how pissed is he? He's like, man, we, we go, we schedule Arizona State. We schedule USC. We schedule Utah. We go to Loyola, Chicago. We go to Phoenix and basically play Grand Canyon in a true road game. And we're 24 and two. And this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Seriously. There's just no, there's no margin of error. None. Like, you have to go 26 and 0 to, to be one of those top teams. Are you serious? That's so unfair. The, the standard that a mid-major program like Nevada is held to and Nevada put teams on a schedule. The benefit, I don't want to say benefit. If there is a bright side or bright or side, this will end up being a quadrant two loss because San Diego State will inevitably jump up the net with a win over Nevada was the 11 or 12 coming into this. Um, just brutal. I mean, do you have anything else you wanted to add? The three seniors, the guys you hate to see it, Cody, Caleb, and Caroline, I mean, there's nine of 33 from the floor, four of 16 from deep. Those are just percentages that we were seeing at the beginning of the season and just kind of when we're all head scratching at the team. And Mm -hmm. it's weird because this isn't a team that when, like, one guy's struggling, he's the only guy struggling, and everybody else is kind of picking up. I get the sense that – they they struggle in pairs and in groups, and it's like when one guy's kind of doing down, it just almost seems like the whole team just kind of can't pick it up. And I don't know what – obviously it's not, uh, you know, teammate disliking. I just think for some reason that travels in the air between them way cleaner than it does a lot of other teams. It just – it's so contagious with, with them. It was weird. Yeah, I mean they, they looked rattled. Like, mm-hmm. they, like they look shook, and for for a group that's this experienced, has played in some of the environments it's had, has some of the had some of the comebacks it's had, the DNA that it's in this group, to see them look like that, it, it's it's baffling. I, I'm with you, and it's even more frustrating when it, you know, it, it all happens at the same time, and it just feel I mean, there were some shots that were getting that they were taking. It was like, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. What is happening? It's hard hard to watch. The, the last thing I'll say, and I've I've kind of hinted to a couple times when. You, I don't know how else to phrase this. San Diego State owns Nevada now. I mean, they own them. Muss's own five against San Diego State away from Reno. Nevada's two and 11 versus San Diego State as a member of the Mountain West. Nevada's lost its last three to San Diego State, including the bloodbath in the Mountain West tournament. It's just, they have Nevada's number. And considering the way San Diego State is starting to play now, I'm not sure that if Nevada plays San Diego State in the tournament, I'm not feeling good about that. I don't know who else is going to feel good about that Nevada side because San Diego State 
completely erased Nevada in this one. I mean, look at Nevada's point totals coming into into tonight. Their last six, they're averaging something like 85 points. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that was the weirdest thing to think about is that the offensive production had been so key that I mean, it almost just seemed like that type of offensive production they had tonight was unfathomable. Like the 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 idea that that type of you against you Jesus can't talk against New Mexico that type of offensive performance just yep it just seemed like a completely different team New Mexico part two I will say this let's end this on a positive note we didn't see much of it in the second half because Musk pretty much left the dudes in but in the first half early Corey Henson hit a couple big threes and those were first half shots but I thought those were the the biggest shots of Corey Henson's time at Nevada so far. And they, they ultimately didn't matter, but for him to hit, hit those shots, I thought were huge. Jordan Brown had some huge minutes in the first half when Trey Porter picked up two quick first half fouls. Once again, it's a theme this season, something we gotta get rid of because it's, Nevada's a different team when he's playing. He's just an absolute beast down low. And then, and then Jazz hit a transition three early. I mean, they, they scored 15 in Nevada's 21 first half points. Those three did. And without those three stepping up in the first half, it's not a six-point game with 120 left. This is New Mexico, really part two. Nevada might might lose that game by 30. So yeah. I, I I thought it was good to see those guys step up early. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, let's let's put that one behind us. Certainly, I want to kick it to our conversation with Mike Randall, co-host of Screen the Screen the Screener podcast. A great conversation with him. We dig deep into Nevada stuff. Certainly. Uh, we did record on Monday. We did play What If, as I mentioned. What if Nevada loses San, San Diego State? What if Nevada beats San Diego State? Um, either way, a really fun conversation with Mike. And uh, here's that. Okay, Mike, super, super excited to have you on. We got a lot to get to, especially a lot of the Nevada fans. Remember, really got to know you from that January 20th podcast. Before we get there, though, uh, you, you are all over the place covering college basketball from a- Action Network to your podcast. I guess just how many TVs you have set up at your place? How busy is your life right now trying to keep track of all this? Nathan, I have a ton of TV set. I mean, we use the iPad. I steal it from my kids and I'll put a game on there while I'm eating dinner. I don't think I've, I've had dinner sitting down in the last three months because you want to stand, <laughs> you got to move, you got to work with the kids and you get to watch a game. So I think all in all, we got about six if you include the computers, but it's great, man. And like <laughs> I told you before, off air, I said what I meant. I have no bias in me. My partner and I located in New Jersey for the screen, the screener college basketball podcast. It's just what I felt. I love Nevada and honestly, it's like having your kid. Sometimes you got to give them some hard love, <laughs> and, and you did. So it was it was January twentieth, and you basically uh, called on Nevada and the Nevada fan base to wake up. And you basically said, "Look, the, t- the team's winning games, but it's not playing well, considering the aspirations this program has." So we got a lot to get to. I'll start with what's your relationship with the Nevada fan base right now. I think it's sort of on a tenuous path right now because I was, it was very 50-50 when that pod dropped. A lot of people were like right on. I got the clapping emojis and then some yeah. of them go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, do you even know what you're talking about? That's always fun. But listen, coming into this year, I picked Nevada to the final four. They are sexy. You watch them and I watched them last year and I'm like, wow, it's like the girl that blows your mind that walks by you in the bar there and you're like, wow, I can't get enough of this team. The huge comeback against Cincinnati. Then we wait on pins and needles, my partner and I, to see who's coming back, right? Are the Martin twins coming back? Is Caroline coming back? Then you hear they're all coming back and we are underdogs. I'm the guy who was on the basketball team with the headgear and glasses as a kid. So (laughs) I want the small school and I wanted to see them make 
make that I want to see him win the national title. But honestly, the way they started the year, it was really frustrating because I was like, guys, whenever you're ready. And honestly, Nevada fans, listen, you guys should have high expectations just because your team may not have made a final four doesn't matter. This year, you have a team that can win it all. So I wanted to see him get motivated and get get on him. But mm-hmm. and clearly, obviously, they've listened right because <laughs> they've been on fire since then. Yeah, your your podcast dropped after the Air Force game. The Air Force game is when they scored twenty points in the first half at home. This is head scratching to f- figure this team with this much talent did that. So. Since then, they've turned on the afterburners. It's really starting to click. How much credit are you taking for them getting it going? Oh, I'll take all the credit. No, I mean, listen, I, I just think that maybe a lot of the Nevada fans felt the way I did. It was time to get things going. I will tell you this. The first one that bothered me, because my brother-in-law is up in Amherst, Massachusetts, was the Massachusetts game. A lot of trash talk back and forth. He was like, Nevada, how good are they? I'm like, they're going to destroy you. And while they did win 110 to 87 on that neutral court, which really wasn't neutral, right? Right. It was disturbing. They gave up 87 to UMass. So then them a little bit and i will tell you the games that got me bothered obviously new mexico i'm sure you guys talked about that but then the boise state game which was infuriating to me because i think they should have crushed boise state and then when you when the 20 points happened at air force i started taping this at halftime <laughs> so they guys as we've hit on they've really turned it on since how are you feeling about the team now Fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. I was so pleased that they got a four seed in the bracket preview show. I don't go to bed. I was so excited for that bracket preview show. I did not think they would make it in, but I was hoping that they would get in and they did. I was so excited about that because they have no quadrant one wins and no right. even quadrant one games. So really you're putting them in there because of their dominance. You're putting them in there because of their efficiency and offense and defense. And quite frankly, I still think no matter how mathematical those people want to be, and I got a math degree, double math degree. Okay. I get it. They, the eye test with them. They just look so good. They right. look so exciting. They have the appeal of a team that's going to be standing there in the final four. That's what they look like. Yeah. They got a quad one win now. Uh, we're taping this Monday. Fresno got to 75. So that, oh, great. that home win over Fresno. They got, they got one. Fantastic. Uh, when you look at this team, as you've hit on a ton to like, what would you say at this point here in mid-February? We're really starting to gear up for the stretch run. What would you say is maybe the Achilles Hill? Achilles heel of this team or something you're maybe still concerned about? I was wondering last year if because of the injuries that they had, if Musselman had told them in that second half of the year to sort of ease off defensively until the end of the game. I have no proof. You guys would know a lot better than me, but it just seemed like they held back on defense until the second half. And so early this year, it just seems like they never brought the sense of urgency. The Arizona State game really bothered me also because that team's very helter-skelter and they were ready to play and I feel like Nevada wasn't. Listen, their ability in the second half to turn it on and their defensive length and how they can switch on all the screens is incredible. I just would like to see the sense of urgency come early in the game and maybe they will do that now. They've been doing it now since the last few games or so and maybe as we get to the tournament, they will because honestly, to me, if Nevada that is up in a tournament game by like 10 and a half, it's over. Right. It's it's over. So when they play some of these big teams and let's say they get a four seed right and they're playing the Elite Eight against a one seed, they get that lead early. They're so good in the second half. Mm-hmm. And when you have to press against them and you double and leave men open, gosh, they always find that open man. Yeah. And they've been blitzing people out of the gate now. I mean, the Air Force game was like really their last slow start. 
Uh, New Mexico, that one had some feelings wrapped up in that one. I think it was 34-9 at one point. Yeah. Yep. It, it was the same case the other night. So we're, we're taping this before the San Diego State game. We'll do a couple what if scenarios. That's just been, that it's been a house of horrors for Nevada trying to go to San Diego State and win it, win at Viejas. If they are to lose that game, it's probably going to ultimately end up being a quadrant two loss. San Diego State would bump up a little bit in the net. What, what do you think that would do for this team and their seeding aspirations? You know, I would be shocked, I have to tell you, if they lost to San Diego State. I think the New Mexico step was sort of the, the misstep for them, mm-hmm. and they've woken up since. I don't think San Diego State has the offense to match them. I mean, Nevada's defense within conference is number one across the board in everything, and San Diego State's offense is seventh in the Mountain West and number nine with three-point percentage, 32.8%. I don't think they have – they're going to play hard. They're long, right? I get that. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Would it hurt them? Yeah, it would hurt them a little bit. But honestly, because I can't really see them getting a 2C just because of, of their schedule rest of the way, what's the difference between a 4 and a 5 with Nevada, right? Yeah. To me, there's not a huge difference. So I feel like they're possibly playing for a 3 so maybe, you know, you avoid that that one seed. Let's say if you're a four, right, playing in the Sweet 16, you avoid the one seed till the Elite Eight, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to kill them. I just – I don't see it happening. I can't wait for that line to come out. I really can't because I, I think they've taken their misstep. Now they're on a mission, and I think people may want to see them win that game. Yeah. Uh, the Utah State game maybe, you know, could, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I, we talked about it last week on the show. I mean, that's really the last hurdle for Nevada in the Mountain West. They're, they're yet to win at San Diego State as a Mountain West member. So you, you mentioned clearing up the New Mexico mess. I think this would be another big step for the program also. So you, you know what, you know what's funny with the Action Network? We were talking about that game, that New Mexico game, and the public was, was so fascinated, right? Because you had, a, you had Nevada losing by 27 at New Mexico on January 5th, right. and then Nevada was favored by like 21 to 22 against New Mexico, and you're, you're at Joe Average, right? Joe Public's like, oh, how's that possible? Because Nevada's gonna open a can of whip ass. That was my <laughs> phrase, and then they sure as heck did, right? <laughs> I think it was uh, Rich Waltz, CBS Sports. He said on a telecast this year, open up a can of Wolfpack. I'm like, oh, that's, ah, pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah, very good. Love <laughs> it. Love it. <laughs> so you mentioned the bracket preview show. You're pumped to see him out of four. Uh, there are a lot of people in the Nevada fan base who are saying, wait a minute. We're ranked sixth in the country right now. Our net is at 11 right now, but we're a four seed. And I can see it. I mean, they have the one quadrant one game. Who knows if Fresno is going to stay there? Do you think a four ultimately is fair for what this team's done this year? Yeah, I mean, again, my heart versus my head. This is when I was doing the bracket preview with my partner. I said, I can't see. I didn't put this tweet out there, which, of course, Nevada fans came at me for. If you're, I don't know what the equation to the net is, right? It's the secret sauce that no one talks about, like the McDonald's chicken nugget sauce, right? Okay. Yeah. But the deal is, like, there's no mathematical way that you can talk about these quadrant one wins and you talk about strength of schedule, right? Their strength of schedule is 147, Nevada, 43rd non-conference. There's just other teams that have a better profile. That doesn't mean I think they're better than Nevada. That doesn't mean I think if you're if you're asking me in my heart who's better, but I don't know what the formula is, but I was very happy to see them as a four. I will tell you this. If you're a one seed, do you want to see Nevada? No, no. one wants to see Nevada. No, no chance. They're long. They make threes. They don't care if they're down. They have senior leaders. I mean, they, they got the mojo. Please. So I, I think to Nevada, the way they play, their 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 confidence. Would I like to see where would I like to see them? I'd like to see them as a three. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair with their profile. But if they're a four, honestly, I mean the number one seeds. I mean, could you imagine if they put Nevada with Gonzaga? 
if Gonzaga gets a one seed, Nevada sort of say, oh, this is the the mid-major area, right? If you yeah. want to say that. Yeah. I mean, that game would be off the charts. <laughs> I mean, if you're Gonzaga, you're like, you got to be kidding me with this. So <laughs> honestly, I think I'd like to see him as a three. But if there are four, watch out for that one seed. Yeah, that would be a super fun matchup just because Evan Arena, they want to be the – like that's been the talk. Like let's be the next Gonzaga. Why can't Must stay here and be the next Mark Few? And you're right. I mean, if you're if you're a one seed, you're getting rewarded by playing maybe a four seed Nevada in the Sweet 16. That's brutal. Yep. That's that's absolutely brutal. I mean, where I kind of come down on that is the strength of schedule has been weak, and, and you mentioned that, especially in conference. And they're getting knocked because the Mountain West is a bummer this year. But they went out and their non-conference strength of schedule is better than, if I remember correctly, Virginia, Michigan State, Gonzaga. Like at some point, you got to reward a team for scheduling a non-conference, despite how poor your conference is. That's what I would think. Oh, totally agree with you. It's not their fault. They've gone out and they've played teams. They, they've tried. I mean, and, and, you know, they ended up playing USC away. They destroyed them. The Arizona State win was solid. But, I mean, after their year last year, who's going to play them? I mean, who's yeah. going to want to come to Nevada and play them? So that is my point. I am a big proponent here, Nathan, of I don't want these power six schools that are like seven and nine, okay, with yeah. all their resources and all their money. I don't want them in. Now, Nevada is a different issue. But I'm going back to my Monmouth a couple of years ago, a team that dominates their regular season, one loss, two losses, right? And they get tripped mm-hmm. up in the semifinals of their conference tournament. They've won. It's like Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. They've won. So what if they get tripped up? I don't want to see a mediocre team because they've had – I mean, listen, teams that are in large conferences eventually get big wins. It's yep. just the nature of it, right? Yep. So I'm a big fan of that. I, I It frustrates me because no one's getting to play in Nevada. I give Roy Williams credit uh, at UNC with the Wofford home and away last year. You know, that that's mm-hmm. what you need to see more of to get people interested, especially early in the season. Yeah, for sure. So you, you mentioned Gonzaga as a one seed maybe in the West, and Nevada fans certainly hoping Nevada lands out in the West and turns San Jose into Reno West for a weekend. Mm-hmm. But you also have Tennessee, maybe Kentucky on the one line now, Duke, and um, I'm forgetting one, Virginia. They're, they're mm-hmm. playing right now, I believe. W- yep. Which one of those do you think Nevada maybe matches up with the best if they're if Nevada's to see one of those squads in the Sweet 16? I would be worried about Virginia. Because the way that you tend to go at Virginia is you have to kind of slow them down, which is what happened last year with with UMBC. You have to beat them at the slow game. I'm afraid that Nevada would get a little helter-skelter. I forget the game. You would know the game where they had a fast break. I think it was Caleb threw it off the backboard to try to get Trey Porter to do an alley-oop dunk, and it it missed. That might have been New Mexico. A Musselman slammed the yeah. table. Like those are the things you cannot do against Virginia. They have no interest. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I would love to see them play Duke. I'd love to see it. They're long. They disrupt outside. They can rebound inside. That would be a fantastic matchup. Tennessee obviously has been exposed a little bit. They struggle with the inside game there. So the only team, Gonzaga would be legendary. The only mm-hmm. team that I think you really would probably rather not see is you don't want to see a disciplined Virginia team because I think that when you hold the carrot there in front of some of the N- Nevada stars, they'll take yeah. the, the crazy shot, <laughs> which we love to watch. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of the one that would worry me a little bit. Anyone else, game on. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to see – I mean you don't want to see any of these ones seeds in the tournament but Virginia you would think is going to come in with a specific purpose this year considering what happened last year yep 
Mm-hmm. I called it the Virginia Redemption Tour this year. Tony Bennett's a fantastic coach. That loss was way overdone. First of all, they're mi- missing DeAndre Hunter, which is a pro that they had, which no one talked about because everybody averages 10, right? So no one thinks right. that's a big loss. It's a huge loss to them. And it's that, I, I, to me, it wasn't nearly as big as uh, Michigan State a couple of years ago with Denzel Valentine losing in the first round to, to Middle Tennessee State. Kermit Davis, who we've interviewed multiple times. Like that to me was just because it's a 215 doesn't make it better to me. Yeah. So I think it's way overdone. Virginia's playing with a purpose this year. And the way they play, I think, is a little bit of a struggle for Nevada. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the net this year in its first? You mentioned we don't. No one knows the algorithm. The NCAA doesn't update it regularly. It's kind of all over the place. I mean, what are your general thoughts of that thing? I think that they eventually got it right. I'm all for being progressive and trying to fix things, right? The RPI, which is only a small part of it, was a little bit outdated. I kind of like when you're rewarding teams for playing on the road against, let's say, Quadrant 1, 1 to 75, or yeah. Quadrant 2, 76 to 135. So I would like to know the equation. I mm-hmm. would, but I think they're tweaking it this year, right? And there's two ways you can do it. You can either reveal it, have it come out, and get criticized and scrap it. Or you cannot reveal it, work it out behind the scenes and eventually get it right. I mean, I I was happy with everything that I saw there on the bracket preview show. I thought they were in the right ballpark. So, I I mean, listen, it's all about the seeding. It's all about the matchups. The greatest sporting event we have in our country. I'll put it ahead of the Super Bowl. So, to me, I'm fine if they want to get the teams to play closer to home and stuff like that. I'm okay with it. People like to criticize stuff for any reason. But to me, did they get it right? Heck, heck, they got Nevada, and I'm fine with that. So, overall, (laughs) I'm fine with it. There's the barometer. Did you get Nevada right? Uh, we, we still got a ton of basketball left and let, let's take a step back here. Let, let's talk national landscape. We've done a little bit here. Um, we, we hit on some of the one seeds, projected one seeds at this point. Who are maybe a couple teams that people aren't talking about that you have your eye on? You know, you looked at teams that you think have a chance to win. I have been pounding the drum. My partner is going to listen to this and burst out laughing right now because <laughs> he knows where I'm going. People have been dumping on the Pac-12. Washington is a scary, scary team. My man. My man. Seriously, I have seen Syracuse come in last year, right? I did the projection. I said they were going to be in. My partner said, no way. Most people thought that, but they got them in, and no one wants to play them. Washington plays that style where you come across half court, and you practiced, and you have your game plan, and you come across to their 3-2 defense with Matisse Thibault on top, and you stop. They control the tempo. And wouldn't it be beautiful in a year where the Pac-12 is terrible, where Washington makes a run to like a Final Four? They absolutely can do it. Senior leaders inside, outside. I like Hopkins as a coach. They got Dominic Green who can hit shots from the parking lot. Jalen Noel is a great closer. That's one team that I really like. And the other one, folks, I heart the SoCon. I love the Southern (laughs) Conference. Wofford is a problem. No one wants to play Wofford. You shouldn't have any interest in that. They're 20 and four. They played North Carolina really, really close and they were all over them at that time as well. Fantastic team. Fletcher McGee can hit shots from all over the place. They're very well coached. So Wofford is the team that people won't know how to pronounce, but they've played a tough schedule and they're dominating the Southern Conference. They're playing UNC Greensboro, who's really, really good. Furman, who beat a Villanova. They're crushing these teams. So those are two that sort of jump out to me that you don't want to see. You heart the SoCon. I like that. I, I love it. I love the so. I love the SoCon. It's you know they used to talk to Sun Belt, Fun Belt. I love the SoCon. Wofford is a team. They won in North Carolina last year in in Chapel Hill and bring almost everybody back. 
and I really love the first one. I mean, I, I don't, I doubt you've listened to much of the previous shows, but I'm from Seattle. I'm wearing a purple UW sweatshirt right now. So I, I love that right? answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. I saw them and I was watching them play and I, and I'm, I was intrigued. I was fascinated. And then there's a very nice cover, you know, doing the old uh, action network stuff mm-hmm. against Gonzaga in Gonzaga. Love Washington. They're just a matchup nightmare. All right, you, let's, you mentioned action, action Network here. Let's get to some of the fun stuff. It's about that time of year now when people who maybe haven't been tuning in want to start making some basketball games interesting. Uh, what's maybe an advice or a piece of advice or something that you would tell someone who doesn't do a lot of sports betting but now gearing up for the conference tournaments, what's a couple general pieces of advice you've got for, for those folks? Number one, I love home teams getting points. Uh, the parity is so close right now that if you just blindly bet this past weekend, all the teams at home getting points, mm-hmm. so let's say the favorites on the road, you would have done very, very well. So that's the first thing I look for. It doesn't matter. You had, you know, Vermont going to Hartford, for example. I mean, that's a small America East one at by us, but those are the sort of games that you look at there. Gonzaga going down to San Diego. Historically, San Diego always plays them tough. So number one, that's the thing I would look for. Number two, I, I would also look for the big point spreads where the the regular season conference favorite wins. So let's say your regular season favorites playing there in an early game and there's a big spread. That is one that you have to look at because there's not a lot of blowouts in conference tournament play, especially with us when you talk about uh, the tournaments over here. Mm-hmm. When you have like a St. John's playing at home in the Big East tournament, give or take at Madison Square Garden, you know, those are the games where you're really going to get value. So don't underestimate the home crowd and feel free to grab in these late February games the home teams that are getting points. Yeah, I, I love that. And for the NCAA tournament, quote unquote, neutral, neutral courts. What what would you have for uh, folks who are certainly going to wager on that tournament? I always go by the seeds there. Uh, don't be afraid with the you know you talk about the five twelve games right. Mm-hmm. Uh, twelve always beats a five. I mean that's been you know beaten into existence here. I'll tell you this. I'll say at some point Nathan a sixteen is going to beat a one again. I feel like we were robbed last year. While that was a phenomenal historical win, what you really picture with a sixteen beating a one is like a last second game. Right. Yeah. That game was over 10 minutes late. So don't be afraid. I mean, I just made bet all the 16 and 15 seeds across the board. The parity is there. And when you talk about teams that are close, if you what you don't want to play, if you're a Kansas, let's say, who has injury issues right now, they got nine conference uh, quadrant one wins. But you, what you don't want to see is you don't want to see a small school champion as the 15 seed. You don't want that. Don't undersell winning guys. Teams that win, that have a lot of wins, that, that like a Buffalo last year, right? Mm-hmm. They won the Mid-American. They won the Mid-American tournament. They play Arizona, smoke them. Why? Because they're dominant. So what? look for those conference champions, regular season and conference champions. If you they have that, even if they have a, a few losses, those are teams that know how to win, grab those points. Sure. That makes a ton of sense. And last question I got for you, Mike, here before I let you go. Draw is a huge piece of the of the NCAA tournament and predicting that thing. We don't know how that's going to go just yet. But if the tournament's starting today, and let's say Nevada's a four seed in the West, how far do you like them to go? I know you had them as one of your teams earlier in the year. It's all about the matchups, Nathan. It yep. really is. Nothing else matters. If I had Nevada right now against Gonzaga, I'd take Nevada. I would. I, I So if they're a four seed out in the West with the home court advantage, with the senior leadership, with the big playability, with the we're down 22 to Cincinnati, nobody cares, we've been there, yep. that is a dangerous, dangerous pedigree. 
I probably wouldn't like them, let's say, if they had to go back-to-back against Texas Tech, who's like number one in defensive efficiency, and then Virginia, you know, on a a – on a back-to-back, right? So let's say they're a Sweet 16 team and they got to play Texas Tech, and then if they win, they play Virginia. That's a lot of slow down, down screen, back screen for them to deal with. But gosh, I mean, put them in against like an Iowa State, put them in against like a Louisville where they're getting up and down the floor, and how mm. much fun would North Carolina and Nevada be for a chance to go to the Final Four? Dear <laughs> Lord. So it's all about the matchups, man. And so you, what do you wish for? You wish for good health, and you wish for – it's what I say with Action Network. There's two things that we can't control. One, the injuries, and two, ridiculously great or poor three-point shooting. If you even <laughs> if you even everything out, I'll take my chances, man. I do. I still like them. I had them, Buffalo, Kansas, and Virginia to the Final Four. I'm sticking with it. I love it. Get me all fired up. Do, <laughs> Nevada, North Carolina for the f- spot in the Final Four. That's, oh. That's nice. That's nice. All right, Mike. Get so, your popcorn. No, no kidding. So, some incredible stuff from you, Mike. Real quick, uh, what's the best way for people to find you? Find me on Twitter at Randall Rant. You can find our podcast all over the place. Screen the screener college basketball podcast. The website sdspodcast.com. Uh, find me, yell at me, tell me I'm an idiot. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm writing for the Action Network as well, so those articles go out every single day. Awesome, Mike. Truly appreciate you taking the time to, to share some insights. Congrats on the success you're having, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk soon. Anytime, man. It was a pleasure. We appreciate Mike for coming on. Some great stuff from him. Uh, as we alluded to, he, he pissed a lot of you guys off uh, for his rant on his podcast, Screen the Screener, about a month ago. And as I shared with him, I thought it was justified. And the team has certainly played much better since. I, I don't think Mike deserves a ton of credit for that, but the team is certainly playing much better basketball now, uh, at least heading into uh, Wednesday night's matchup with San Diego State. So now switching gears to the next home game, Saturday, against Fresno. Tip at 5 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Need to note that the game is a whiteout. So if you are going to the game, make sure and wear your white. If you don't have an option yet, you need a new white Nevada shirt, swing by one of the two locations for Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue is locally owned and operated. It is the spot. For officially licensed Nevada apparel, just some incredible stuff. You guys know we love Silver and Blue Outfitters. You know we, you know that we love Mark Gladowski and their story and everything about Silver and Blue Outfitters. Seriously, we say it every week. We especially love the throwback options. You're going to need some more options coming up in the wardrobe. A lot of big games coming up for Nevada starting really, or I shouldn't say starting, but including Saturday against Fresno. And we want to suit you up for some of those games. We can't suit you up for Fresno, but we can suit you up for some games later on down the road, especially in March. And that is why we are giving away $100 gift cards every single month. Yes, we want to give you a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. Here's how Here's how we're doing it. It's a drawing. We talked about this last week. To get your name into the drawing, all you have to do is walk into one of the two Silver and Blue Outfitters locations at Meadowood Mall or at the campus location, snap a quick selfie, post it on Twitter or Instagram, and then tag SNB Outfitters and the Reno Slant. That's all you have to do. Two entries. You can do one on Twitter, one on Instagram. And so if you're driving on Virginia Street right now or you're on North McCarran about to drive past Virginia Street, hang a left, go down Virginia Street. Hop into the campus location, snap a quick selfie, and we're going to try to hook you up with a $100 
gift card. The drawing is next Thursday. We did not get a single entry last week. Not one. That means this thing is totally up for grabs. Two seconds of work, $100 gift card. Pretty good pretty good deal, if you ask me. You can also visit silverandblueoutfitters.com for more options. So Nevada beat Fresno in the first matchup of the year at Fresno, 74-64 on January 12th. I remember that game because I spent the entire second half listening to John on TuneIn because I had to find a spot to fill my propane tank for our new barbecue. I ended up finding a U-Haul of all places that could refill it. So, bro, what is something we need to know or remember about the Bulldogs? It's their team. Uh, they also had one game. They've been one of the better teams in the Mountain West, but they had uh, basically a WTF game as well, similar to yeah. what we had at New Mexico. Theirs, however, though, was a 74-65 loss at Colorado State. Yep. So this team is vulnerable. They do have, you know, they have shown that they can get beat and they, but they're going to be, um, ready to go. Like we've said all season, Nevada's got the target on the back, but this team, I think they just, they just snuck into a, or our victory over them just snuck into a quad one, right? It was a quad one game on Monday. Yesterday they slid down to, or on Tuesday they slid down to 76. So then it was quadrant two. It's, it's right there. So no, the, right. the irony here is if Nevada beats Fresno, <laughs> they're going to be, they're going to slide further down. Yeah, sliding further down. Yeah. Yeah. So Fresno has Air Force Wednesday night at home. They going into that game, Fresno was 19 and six, 10 and three in the Mountain West, had won five of its last six. This team is really starting to play good basketball and they've been strong on the road in Mountain West play. Six in one in conference play on the road. That includes wins at Utah State. That's a good win against New Mexico on the road. And you, but you mentioned that one weird result at Colorado State last month, lost by nine. Some metrics here. Uh, RPI had him at 92 coming into Wednesday. Ken Palm had him at 63. And as you mentioned, the net, they were right at the line. It's going to move up and down. So <laughs> Nevada maybe would prefer to beat them by a, a slim margin. And it maybe mm-hmm. doesn't help Nevada as much in the net, but it helps keep Fresno closer to this, this 75 yeah. margin. I uh, need that quadrant one win. Got to weigh the pros and cons in this game. Um, the other part, when we played them last, shooting the uh, field goal shooting, we were 25 of 65. So we had 40 misses that game. Yeah, what helped, what followed with those 40 misses is Caroline had 16 boards. So I expect him to also be a monster again, but I do not expect Nevada to trail this game with 40 misses like they did in the last one. Uh, since, uh, as of recently, they've been shooting a lot, a lot better. Those 40 misses was basically their offense in that game. That the reason they won that game is because they had so many second chance points. Mm-hmm. They outscored Fresno in second chance points in that game, 27 to three, 27 to three. They outscored Fresno in second chance points. And, Ouch. And, and, no kidding. In a game, they win by 10. That was, that was the deciding factor in that ball game. Nevada won on the glass collectively 42-34. You mentioned Jordan Caroline, 16 boards, seven of them were offensive. Caleb had nine rebounds in that game. I believe that's the third highest total for him this season, at least coming into Wednesday night. And you know that's going to be a focus for Fresno going into that one is they need to be better on the boards. They need, especially on the defensive end because Nevada, if Nevada doesn't have 27 second chance points, they lose that game. If they have it just an average game in terms of second chance points, they probably lose that game. 
Um, cause that's when, at a point in the season when Nevada was really grinding through games, finding mm-hmm. ways to win. And in that game, they found a way to win by cleaning up a bunch of misses. There were 40 of them, as you pointed out. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other one I'm going to go is, I'm going to say turnover city for Fresno. It's going to be an absolute bonkers inside Lawler. People are going to be going nuts. We're getting towards the end of the season now, so people are really going to start showing up for these last kind of final home games because this is this is more than what we got Only left. three more. It's so sad. It's so sad to hear that. But you know people are just going to really start emphasizing and showing up for these last ones and going nuts. And Fresno, or Fresno had 13 turnovers to Nevada 7 at Fresno. So I think that's going to be another point of emphasis is that I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Fresno has I'm gonna say 20 turnovers next game. They're Whoa. gonna have an off awful game on the offense. Whoa, 20. Get ready. Get ready. When it happens, mark my words. I'll tweet this out for everybody to remember that. But they're gonna have 20 pl- 20 plus. That's gonna for sure be a so he said something stupid. No, <laughs> it's, we're, we're gonna bookmark that one. I'm gonna say this is gonna be a so he said something stupid that you think this is stupid. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Uh, the last thing I got for, for the Bulldogs, at least in terms of things we need to remember about them, is this team is stellar <clears throat> from the three-point line on both ends of the court. They lead the Mountain West in three-point shooting, shooting 38% from deep. They lead the Mountain West making over 10 threes per game. They're one of 16 teams in all of college basketball to average over 10 three-pointers per game. They lead the Mountain West holding teams to 29% shooting from the three point, three point line. That's ninth in the country. So this team is stellar on both ends at the three point line. Defending the three point line is something Nevada also is very strong at. They're second in the conference defending the three point line in terms of field goal percentage. And we've seen this team get better shooting the three ball, getting more selective. We've talked about a lot the inside out touches. It's made a difference for this team shooting the three ball, but this is a Fresno team that uh, is strong from the perimeter. Who's your favorite player on the other roster? It's only fitting since I just came back from there. Lazaro Rojas. Mm. He's, he is from Brazil, where I just was. He is their big-time production guy. Averages eight, eight minutes a game and three points. <laughs> so he's going to be the one to look out for. But yeah, I saw when I saw that he was from Brazil, I was like, yeah, it's only fitting that I pick Lazaro. Mine is 6'6", junior guard, Johnny Williams. Another huge contributor, 3.1 points per game. I picked him. It was kind of, kind of interesting. He was also recruited by Nevada, which isn't uncommon. Mountain West schools, they do a lot of recruiting, especially in California. I really picked him, though, because he was also recruited to play football by Boise in San Diego State. And... So he's one of those people that I just can't understand. I can't even fathom that level of athleticism where you just get to choose where you want to go play Division One sports, which sport you want to play, which school you want to go to. I It just doesn't make sense to me. I can't comprehend it. There, there are those people out there, and he is one of them. Maybe a little knock at him, though. You got the option to go play at Boise or San Diego State for football, and then you choose Fresno basketball? Well, he was, he's always been a basketball player. I, I did some clicking around. His dad was a tight end at USC and was drafted third in the NFL draft, played for a number of years. And he was always a basketball player, I guess. He even quit football for a year in high school. 
and then decided to play his junior. I don't remember what the whole story was, but he all the plan all along for him was to play basketball. Mm. Johnny McWilliams. All right, keys to victory in this one. Play a clean game, limit some turnovers. The game again. Now I didn't necessarily get to see it since I was south of the equator and my time zone was way off. But that Wyoming game looked like it was a pretty um, how should I put this? A comfortable win. It was in so, yeah. <laughs> so following that game, uh, it's definitely a different mentality. Obviously, you're starting to clean slates. Um, just play clean. Fresno's one of the teams, like you said, on the road they've performed. Uh, pretty well other than that Colorado State game. They're going to be ready to go. They're obviously going to be emphasizing on the things such as the rebounds that they were mm-hmm. completely mismatched in the last game. So let's not have one of the grind games that we had at the beginning of the year. I'm getting, I'm pretty, uh, pleased with how we've been in the last couple of games. It hasn't really been too much of a concern. <laughs> sure. I'm going to start on the defensive end and it really starts and maybe even ends with containing their two headed, two headed monster in, uh, in the backcourt, in Braxton Huggins and Deshaun Taylor. Huggins is fourth in the Mountain West, averaging 19 points per game. Sniper, 39% from deep. He was the Mountain West Player of the Week last week in a home win over Boise and a win at New Mexico, averaged 22 points per game last week. Taylor, seventh in the Mountain West in scoring, 16.5 points per game. He's just shy of 39% from deep. So both these guys fill it up. Both of them are, are snipers. In the first meeting, Huggins went for 25, 5 of 11 from, from deep. Taylor had 16, 2 of 4 from deep. If Nevada can keep those two in check, it's going to win. But it really starts on the defensive end with, with limiting what those two can do because they can score the basketball. Mm-hmm. Other point, utilize Porter. He's been great the last couple games. His, his line's been good. You know, I think he went 20 points against New Mexico, and then he had 14 against Wyoming. But... It's just been nice seeing him be utilized the way he is because he's just such a large human. Yeah. And when you're able to put him in these defensive situations and the offensive situations as well, it just really puts Nevada you know, at such a greater advantage when, mm-hmm. when he's on, when he's on the floor because he's just such a big body. And it's just been nice seeing him too because I was, he was one of those guys we emphasized on earlier in the year. Yeah. Trying to get him, get, get him going, get him utilized. And in these last couple games, they've really been doing it. And it's been, it's been uh, awesome to see, you know, how well he's performed in those situations. The only person who can stop Trey Porter defensively is the guy with stripes on a shirt and a whistle. Mm-hmm. Trey, Trey finds himself in foul trouble a lot, and it's just because of the style that he plays. And partly is because he's so big and, sh- and strong that some guys probably flop, certainly. But he just has a presence. And yeah. refs are going to be looking for that, certainly. And I was look, I was looking back at this. He, It's something like... Six of the last nine games, he's finished with four fouls. So he, Jeez. he, he's always flirting with it. And in a game like Saturday against a team like Fresno, where Nevada just dominated on the glass, you would think that if Trey can stay out of foul trouble, he would have an opportunity to have a big game on Saturday against Fresno in the first go round. He matched his season high with four offensive rebounds. So for him, I think the key is on Saturday is stay out of foul trouble, stay within yourself. I think it's a huge key in this game is what's the Mad going to do on the glass after Fresno makes adjustments. That's certainly an emphasis for them. So I'd like to see Nevada. One of the things that I want to play on uh, that you kind of spoke to is keep it going with the second chance points. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. Um, so not just Trey Porter, but Trayshawn Thurman coming off his first double double last Saturday against or last game against Wyoming. Um, 
I think that uh, there's certainly opportunity there the second go-round against Fresno. Did you have another one? I just had those two. The last one I got, I mentioned that Fresno not only can fill it up shooting the ball, they're really good defending the three-point line, and Nevada likes to shoot the three-ball. So I think there's a special emphasis on this one and Caleb getting into the paint and kicking out in the, in terms of racking up those inside-out three-point shots instead of the stagnant, staying around, pass it around a couple times outside the, the top of the arc and then you know heave up a contested three. I think Caleb getting into the paint with the dribble drive is going to be really important in this one. We saw Jazz Johnson really start to get it going against Wyoming, four or five from deep. That was nice to see. Um, so I'd also like to see on the offensive end uh, some inside-out touches. What's your prediction? 87-74. Oh, you got a comfortable win. Yeah, I think it's going to be – I'm not worried now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, kick, I'm kicking my feet up on this one. <laughs> this is an experienced Fresno team, especially in the backcourt. We talked about Braxton Huggins and Deshaun Taylor already. They're not going to be rattled by the environment. It is going to be a crazy environment in Lawler on Saturday. They already won at Utah State. I'm not picking Fresno. This is going to be a dogfight. There's a pun for you. 81-76 Nevada. I got Nevada winning by five. Mm, I can't wait till the next episode. I just got a big grin when they won by 15 plus. <laughs> I'm down. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be mad. And then the next game, we all know it. Huge one. People have had this one scheduled on the calendar since the schedule came out. UNLV coming up to Reno. Tip Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Our favorite tip time on the CBS Sports Network. The place is already going to be insane because it's UNLV. Let's throw in the fact that we're going to retire Nick Vizikas' number as well. Number 22 going into the rafters forever. Just the second Nevada Hoops number ever to be retired. Joining Edgar Jones, number 32, it's going to be a rager inside Lawler next Wednesday for the UNLV game. Bro, uh let you start with something we need to remember about the Rebs. Well, I was going to go with something to know. And oh. I'm going on the ESPN uh pre- prediction winner percentage to win, and I don't even think it's high enough. It was at 97% that Nevada was going to win this game. And for those reasons you talked about, it's why I don't even think UNLV has – any chance to come, to come to leave Reno victorious. It is going to be absolutely bonkers. UNLV has struggled and definitely had their lulls during this season. And the emotional side of it is I think Nevada just absolutely slashes them. But going back to my point, UNLV has no chance. <laughs> That's what you need to know about the Rebels. They got no chance. <laughs> my first one, I'm not necessarily going to go on the court. I think the timing of this is just too perfect with Nevada playing UNLV next week. But apparently UNLV is in contact with Rick Pitino. And if there is a mashup, a, a, you know, a combination that's more fitting than Rick Pitino in Las Vegas, you have to point that out to me. Prostitution is legal. Rick Pitino, he should have been here years ago. What, <laughs> what was he ever doing at Louisville in the first place? Let's, let's, let's list some of the scandals Rick Pitino was involved with at Louisville. Did win a national title in 2013, but, so here we go. In 2009, he had the sex-slash-affair scandal involved with extortion. Apparently, he had sex in a, a Louisville restaurant in 2003. Then he got blackmailed. It, it was an affair. It was all over the place. That, that was a great uh, great deal for Rick. And there was more stuff 
earlier in his career as well. This is just more recently. In 2015, this was one of the bigger ones. I mean, they're all big. In 2015, an escort broke the story that she was setting up parties for recruits and a grad assistant was paying dancers, was paying prostitutes to have sex with recruits on campus. How great. So Louisville had a self-imposed ban from the 2016 NCAA tournament as a result. Rick Pitino said, I don't expect any more punishment from the NCAA. That is enough. And he's just completely clueless. Then in 2017. That's a top recruiter. That's a top recruiter right there. He knows how to do it. The man knows how to recruit. In 2017, the FBI determined that Louisville was paying, had paid a recruit's family $100,000 to help bring said recruit on campus. How wonderful. UNLV wants that individual to run its basketball program and be a leader of young men. <laughs> Next thing he's going to be teaching an ethics course at UNLV like Urban is at <laughs> like Ohio Urban State. Ohio State, exactly. I'm rooting for it. It'd be a great story. It would make UNLV relevant, might not be the word, but UNLV would be a talking point all of a sudden. They'd it would, be noticed. It would be, they'd be noticed for certain. And Nevada UNLV would get real fun because there are a million different reasons you can make fun of Rick Pitino. And there are a million if you really start doing some clicking around. Let some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But they would get relevant. They would start winning some basketball games. Mm-hmm. And that is unlimited ammunition in the arsenal for Nevada in terms of making fun of UNLV. I just don't get how these coaches they get like I don't know maybe it's the mindset but they're constantly in trouble and it's just the like the my my mindset is like if you know if I get in trouble from doing something wrong and then I'm kind of like oh crap I need to tone it back right you know can't be doing that but these guys are just like all right whatever no, on, to, on on to the next thing you forgive and forget yeah <laughs> on to the next page I'd, I'd be curious what the NCAA would have to say about it. And again, this is just a rumor. I mean, there's a, a Twitter account down here in Vegas that tweeted it out and it has like 30,000 views. I have no idea if it's credible. There were a couple news outlets that picked it up. What I did some clicking around today, apparently some boosters are in communication with him. The, mm-hmm. the AD, I guess, is not officially involved yet. Marvin Menzies has to be thrilled with all of this. Oh, he's going to be, by the way. Him. Yeah. How great. Uh, another name thrown in there right now is Thad Mata, the former Ohio State head coach. Yeah. What do you think they're going to do? Just give him like a, like a private, the presidential suite at the Mandalay Bay. He's going to live in one of the casinos or something. Yeah. Bring it escorts up and down unnoticed. (laughs) What what a zoo. I love it. Go Vegas. (laughs) Sin City, baby. All right. What else do you got about the Rebs? Uh, bringing back to their offensive side of the ball, looking at their last four games, they've put up 65, 77, 71, and 66. Now those numbers don't look too terrible, but the opponents, you got Fresno, so they play, put up 65 against them, which that's expected because Fresno's alright. But then they're going against Air Force, San Jose, and Wyoming, who are teams who have struggled this season. So putting up points like that, not too impressive. In my mind, when I saw those, I was kind of like, all right, those are some, those are some big 10 basketball numbers. Yeah. And yeah, it's so not too impressive on the offensive side from UNLV lately. Yeah. They've been struggling from deep for certain. And that's kind of one of, I guess I'll just go to that one now. The Rebels stink this year. I mean, they haven't beaten anyone. They've beaten up on the, they're the team that beats the teams that they're supposed to beat. 
and they can't beat the teams that are ahead of them in the conference. They're just kind of stuck in, in mediocrity there. One thing they have going for them that's not mediocre, and it's like the only thing that UNLV fans care about right now because the team stinks so bad, they've made a three-pointer in an NCAA record 1,064 straight games. Uh, we still got that going on. In the game down here in Vegas, UNLV didn't make one in the entire first half, and everyone I was sitting around was sweating. Oh, no. Our one thing we have going for us, our one thing is 20 minutes away from going away. Nevada's holding teams to 31% shooting from deep. I mentioned that second in the conference. UNLV has struggled shooting of late. Look out. Just saying. Do you have another one? Yeah, my last one's going to go off the court, and it's I'm already not looking forward to it. It's just the Twitter beef garbage <laughs> stuff that happens, and it's Nevada-UNR debate. And the, UNLV is slowly becoming like, I mean, I guess slowly is not the right word. They, in, just in terms of standings, they are. They're like the younger brother right now that – they're arguing. <laughs> you could probably yep. attest to this from what, from growing up with me saying things. The stuff you say isn't relevant or isn't funny or c- clever, but they just say it to annoy you, just to kind of poke the bear. And it's annoying so, is the worst it, part. It, it's annoying. <laughs> exactly. It's annoying. They know it's annoying. So just hearing that whole the media stuff going into it because – Everybody in the whole country, well, not in the whole country, but you got all these, the AP is, you know, announced and like we've said before, everybody has circled on them and told them that they are wrong, but they just continue to pretend to be blind mice and pretend that they aren't seeing what's going on. Yeah, we we talked about this in the first matchup before the meeting down here in Vegas. I don't have as much of a problem with UNLV doing it. They have the ability to do it. The problem is credential media doing it, just being petty intentionally breaking AP style guidelines to be annoying. And that's where I draw a line where it's like, okay, at a a certain point, you're supposed to be an objective media member. And and this is what we're doing. That, that fires the journalist inside you up. It does. It does have some integrity. Come on. Oh yeah. I'm not by, you know, me, my, my writing skills are not that (laughs) strong. So even with, I do agree with you though. You see those things and it's like, all right, I get it. You may may have a little bit of bias towards UNLV, especially if you're, you know, reporting from Vegas or Southern California or a little closer to it, but come on. Yeah. It's petty. The, the, the last one I'll say about UNLV, I mentioned that they've been kind of stinky this year after beating Wyoming in a barn burner on Tuesday night, 15 and 11, nine and five in Mountain West play. They're five and six outside of Las Vegas this year. RPI has them at 180. Ken Palm has them at 166. The net has them at 161. So this will be a quad four game. Barely. If they can get to 160 or better, it'll be a quad three game. Uh, I'm just going to keep hammering on this. They, they stink this year. They can't beat anyone that's worth anything this year. <laughs> Who's your favorite player on the other roster? Next question. Well, I'll let you go, but I got nobody because screw them. Last time I, w- I went with uh, 6'5 junior forward Nick Blair. He was my boy from Tacoma, plus one, went to Gorman, minus one. So um, sort of broke even there. I picked him largely, though, because his favorite movie is Hot Rod. And we take a lot of crap on this podcast for not knowing a lot of movies. And that is a movie I know. That is a movie I can quote. I'm going to celebrate our wins here. And I'm sticking with our guy Nick because he likes Hot Rod and we like Hot Rod also. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. <laughs> Uh, keys to victory. 
Remember to finish. This is going to be an emotional game. Everything's going to be hyped up. UNLV is going to be crazy. Our fans are going to be crazy. It's going to be an easy game for there to be mental slip-ups when there's all the external things going on with the game, with all the build-up, and then Lawler's going to be just an absolute zoo. Yeah. So just keep it within keep it within reason. Play the way they have been playing and finish. Yeah. Uh, we talked about before the New Mexico game. I said I wanted them to play play angry. That was the team that beat him, that embarrassed him in Albuquerque, so channel that. I think this is a game where it's going to be important to keep emotions in check. The crowd is going to be frenzied. Nick Fazekas is getting his number retired. It's the second-to-last home game of what's been the most special year in Nevada basketball history. Lawler is literally going to be bouncing. It's going to be going berserk. And to try to match that energy is to play beyond what you're comfortable with beyond and I'm I'm all for playing with energy channeling that energy but I think there can be a point where maybe you start playing too fast it starts maybe getting sloppy it's not a huge concern I don't think for this team considering how experienced they are and how how old this team is compared to a lot of college basketball teams but it is something to to look at is how amped is Nevada going to come out and, and play against the Rebs and then this is going to be the last the last game for the three against UNLV up in Reno, the Martin brothers and Caroline. Mm-hmm. So keys to victory for them. Keep them going because if they start out hot and get everybody going, get the crowd going, get the bench excited, get all the GAs jumping up and down, <laughs> it's going to be real entertaining. I expect you know to see Cody and Caleb knocking some threes. I want to see some Caroline specials and Supremes. I want to see it all. You mentioned that UNLV has struggled to shoot of late. In their last four games, including the win over Wyoming, from deep, they are 26 for eight for 102. That's 25%. That's not strong. And, uh, Nevada can guard the three point line. Nevada will be at home. Nevada shut out UNLV for the first half from three in the first meeting. All I'm saying, look out. Look out. <laughs> that streak might be going down. What a better – no better way. No better way to. That would be hilarious. Oh, my God. All right, do you have one more? I said those two again. The last one. We talked about this a lot before the first meeting. This UNLV team, especially the fact that they can't shoot the ball right now, they rely on offensive rebounding. They still lead the Mountain West, averaging about 14 offensive rebounds per game. They had 16 in the first meeting. A lot of those were in garbage time at the end of the second half. So limiting what they do on the offensive glass will certainly be a, be a key in this one. What do you got for prediction? It's going to get ugly. Nevada 93, UNLV 71. I figured you were going to go, go graphic. I was along the same lines. I went, uh, 88 72. I just don't think there's a way Rebels can steal this one. It is important to keep in mind that last year UNLV did come to Reno. And one. So that's something else that you know these seniors have remembered. They remember that UNLV came to Reno and, and stole one. We don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> Nor do we talk about that Loyola Chicago tournament game. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and for those who are going, we mentioned that it's going to be an absolute rager inside Lola. The rager doesn't start at 8. It starts at 5.30. Strength in the Pack is hosting a pregame party at the Basin Street Club before the game, 5.30 to 7.30, members get in free. To become a member, 
We know the deal now. Strengthinthepack.org. President Brad Platt was on episode 019. If you haven't listened to the episode, you need to go back and listen to the story of the Strength in the Pack of how they started and where they're hoping to go because it really is amazing. You you can become a member for just seven seventy five per month, seven dollars and seventy five cents per month. All it all it takes some really cool perks, including now uh, this pregame party before the UNLV game on Wednesday. We got a question last week during the social slant if when we had Brad on, if it moved the needle at all. And Brad actually uh, reached out and shared that there was an increase of $900 per year in donations. And it's not a ton, but that moves the needle a little bit. And if you ask me, I think that's pretty freaking awesome. Pretty cool. Let's get into some slants. Games of the weekend. What are a couple games you're looking at? So on Saturday, we got – I just stuck, stuck with college basketball this weekend because with all the traveling, my brain is only working at about – 25%, so I can only focus on one sport, so I'll let you get the rest. But <laughs> I got Virginia at Louisville. Shout out Patino. You got, that's 9 a.m. on, 9 a.m. on Saturday. Then you also have Kansas at Texas Tech. I think they're like, that's 14, 12, 14 versus 12 or something like that. That's at 5 p.m. And then a big, big 10 matchup on Sunday at 12.45, Michigan State versus Michigan. So those are the three games that I'll probably be paying more attention to than most. All right, I, I went per usual. I stayed on the West Coast here. In the Mountain West, San Diego State at UNLV on Saturday, 7 o'clock on ESPNU. That would be a game that you would expect uh, UNLV to uh, get obliterated in if you've seen them play against anyone who can play basketball this year. Uh, <laughs> Oregon State at USC for really the reason that Nevada has that win at USC earlier this year, the Trojans the other day were 88 in the net. They have to get to 75. That's be a quad one, so they got to jump a little bit. Oregon State is in second place in the Pac-12. They're at 84 in the net, so that one would help USC. So, are you, are you serious? Oregon State's second in the Pac-12? Dude, the Pac-12 is a mess this year. I would say I have not followed that at all. I honestly thought you were going to pick that game because I was fully anticipating you saying that Oregon State's a nightmare and that USC was going to smoke no. them or something. No, that's that's a big game for USC, and it's a big game Ugh. for Nevada. Nevada's rooting for – Nevada needs USC to beat Oregon State. Oh, my God. We're at that point in our lives. And then, of course, we need to talk some alliance. Arizona at Salt Lake are two squads going head-to-head for the second time in three weeks. Saturday at noon on Bleach Report, Arizona's 2-0. Salt Lake's 0-2. First home game in Salt Lake history. And it's worth noting, do you hear the story that's going around about the the alliance this week? So they, 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 didn't, they didn't pay their players and they needed a big investment from one of the owners or something. Woof. We're already in trouble. We're already in trouble. <laughs> it's not good when after two weeks you're, you can't make payroll. So they, they basically they needed a $250 million influx of cash from an NHL owner who is now the chairman for the Alliance of American Football. Just not a great look after All two right, weeks. Everybody who's listening, we're starting a micro donation for the AAF. We're going to keep them alive. Oh, I, lo- <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I I love the AAF. I'm excited about it. Struggling to oh, I guess they almost missed payroll after the first week. That's rough. Not a good look. N- not a good look at all. All right, uh, a new slant, and it will it'll transition from a slant to something we we lead the show with uh, as we get into the spring here. But Nevada baseball season started last week, and we had T.J. Bruce, head coach, on the show, and 
a really strong opening weekend for the pack. I mean, they went down to Texas, they went two and one, and they beat number 24 Missouri State. They beat a Texas State team for nothing that was getting votes. They lost to Utah. And then on Tuesday, they bust over the mountains and played UC Davis, scored two in the top of the ninth and are now three and one to start the season. So as we all enjoy now Nevada's march to the NCAA tournament, it's also time to really start thinking about Nevada baseball and Nevada softball. Both have started their seasons and will kick off their exciting home portion of the schedules in March. The pack needs your support, so get your season tickets, and we will see you at Piccoli and Hickson Park soon. Call 775-348-PACK or visit NevadaWolfPack.com today. How was that for a segue? It's nice. That was Beautiful. Tear to, tear to my eye. I felt good about that one. I felt really good about that one. So the win over Missouri State on Friday, 16-4, whooping. Ryan Anderson, Spanish Springs boy, got the ball. Five innings pitch, four hits, one earned run. Caleb Foster, someone who we talked a lot about with TJ Bruce on the show. Talk about Ryan also. Breakout junior year. Uh, he went deep. Big game for him. The Texas State game was really about Owen Schartz, uh, the really highly touted freshman. Collegiate debut. How about this? Seven innings pitched, three hits, no runs against a good Texas State team. That's a home game for Texas State. That's pretty good. That'll work. Against Utah, 6-3 loss. They led 2-0 after 5. Nevada did. And Utah scored 5 in the 6th. Josh Zamora in that opening weekend. Freshman All-American last year. Talked about him a lot also with TJ Bruce. How he's going to have to transition now to teams game planning for him. How about this? He went 8-14 for 14 with a home run and a triple. And I can't even tell you how many RBIs. <laughs> Pretty strong. It's the, a good problem. Yeah, no kidding. The one thing that I thought was interesting, and we didn't see him on Tuesday either. I don't, I don't, TJ didn't say anything. Jake Jackson, freshman All-American last year, did not throw in the opening weekend or against Tuesday. So, uh, maybe something going on there, something to keep an eye on for certain. Nevada now has a three game series at Long Beach State this weekend to play the dirt bags. Tough test. We home, homecoming for TJ Bruce. He talked about it on the podcast. Last week, he played his senior year there. He got his uh, coaching start there, uh, was there for two years, and then went on to UCLA after that. So a really fun start, awesome start for Nevada baseball. Said it on Twitter. I'll say it here. I think it's going to be a really fun year at Picoli this year. This is going to be a special team, I think. Social slant. Start with Twitter questions. We got a handful of them from you guys. Again, you guys are heating up. We got a ton last week, not as many this week. Uh, we're going to double dick or double dip. Uh, <laughs> that is getting cut out, maybe. Ex- explicit uh, podcast. We're going to double dip. Uh, Clark has two. He said, uh, at now last Monday's coach luncheon, Must said he actually has a great relationship with the refs and only has one T this year. Also, uh, sometime you need to stand up for the team. There are times you need to stand up for the team. What are the odds he finishes Mountain West play with just one T? What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, well, Mountain West regular season or yeah. after the tournament? Yeah, yeah regular season. Um, I'd say he, I'm going to say he gets one against UNLV, another one. I'm going to say he gets one more also. Um, at least, at least one more, especially the games are really ramping up now. You're playing some better teams. Uh, I, I would expect him to get at least one more. Clark also asked, uh, what message do you think Nick Fazekas delivers to the team while he's here for his jersey retirement? Will the most significant part, what will be the most significant part of his trip to Reno? 
And will the UNLV Fazekas game set a new attendance record? In terms of message, I think he, he'll speak to maybe the connection between the team and the players and the community, because that's something he has certainly benefit, benefited from, is his connection to the community. And that's why Reno is so excited that he's getting his number retired. And that's something we've really seen come to fruition this year, the last couple of years. But it's really, we're really seeing it now. The bond between Reno and its basketball team, it's pretty special. And I would men, I would think that Fazekas or Nick would at least address that. Who who knows though? Uh, what will be the most significant part of the trip to Reno? I'm sure for him, it'll be standing there and watching the them pull the the whatever's covering his jersey number and getting to see that for the first time. I, I can't imagine how special that would be as a as a player, just as a human, to be recognized in that way um, by a place mm-hmm. that means so much to you. I, I would imagine that would would probably be the coolest part. And will it break the attendance record? So the attendance record was set two years ago, 2017, against UNLV. It was also Wednesday night, and there was 11,841 announced people at Lawler for a 104-77 annihilation. Annihilation! Last year at UNO, against UNLV at home was also Wednesday night. Announced crowd of 11,285 and 8678L. By the way, that's the last home loss for Nevada. Nevada's won 15 straight at home since that loss to UNOV. Is it going to break the record? I'm going to say no. 11,841 people is a crap ton. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a lot. I would, I would say it's north of 11,500. Um, I don't know if we'll get to 11,841. What do you think? Yeah, I, w- I honestly, I was in the same boat. I don't, it may be close. It may, you know, be right in the same ballpark, but I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think right. it'll pass it. All right. Our guy JCF, <laughs> give me a hard time about my video because I tweeted something out on Tuesday and I got a little sentimental. I kind of went back and listened to episode number one of the podcast just to kind of see. I was, I was kind of curious, so I'm back and listened to it. And it was really fun to listen to us talk about some of the things and that we've been able to hold true to some of that. Like, I was proud of that. It was also funny to listen, go back and think, man, it feels like it was forever ago. And there are things we've just gotten exponentially better at <laughs> since since we started this thing six months ago. So JCF, being a kind of tongue-in-cheek here, I think being a bit of a smartass, was this film before or after you listened to yourself for over 90 minutes today while reliving episode number one? First things first, <laughs> it was... <laughs> Episode one was 16 minutes, so I I had to block out an hour and a half. And number two, it was before. I filmed it before I listened to episode number one. Fake Matt Mummy. Uh, did Adam watch any movies during his travels to and from South America? It would have been a good opportunity for him to expand his movie knowledge. So I gave him my best shot. I did finish a couple movies, but I did also sleep. I maybe... Uh... Took some melatonin like, uh, over the counter substances and helped me sleep a little bit. But I did watch a movie called Beautiful Boy. It was with Steve Carell and his son had a crystal meth addiction. It was actually a really good movie. I'd recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime, I think, or Netflix. Sounds one, like a family film. But yeah, it's really good. <laughs> but the thing that threw me for a total loop, guess who Steve Carell's ex-wife is in the movie? Jan. Holly Flax. Holly Flax. Oh, shoot. Okay, that's that's funny. 
Yeah, ex-wife, and they have a very destructive relationship. Or not really destructive, but they obviously are divorced for a reason. Yeah. But that threw me for a loop. I also saw Bohemian Rhapsody, Ooh, the, the Freddie Mercury movie. Yeah, I really liked it. I haven't um, seen that one yet. Yeah, I heard some mixed reviews. But, I mean, he's pretty eccentric, but I just – you know, he died before I was born, so I don't really know if he was really that eccentric in real life. But from what I've heard, he was. That it was just a good movie. Um, I tried watching Littlefoot, that Yeti snowman movie. Fell asleep during that, and then I just watched a ton of Entourage and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, Entourage. I love yeah. Entourage. <laughs> uh, now we'll go over to Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram yet, you should change that. Follow us on Instagram, the Reno Slant. Marcus asked, would you rather ball up with Bugs Bunny and MJ and Space Jam, spend a summer with the boys in the Sandlot, or help Charlie and Banks win a championship with the Mighty Ducks? This is an easy one for me. What's yours? I'm spending a summer with the boys in the Sandlot. Hell yes. Absolutely. I'm spending a summer with the boys in the Sandlot. That is like the dream. That's how like every boy growing up like imagines their summer being. I mean, it's not nearly on that scale, um, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. The same oh, lot yeah, for just, me is no question. All the mischief you get get caught up in in the summer, you're riding your bikes around. Yeah. The crazy thing is now that doesn't happen anymore just because how different it is now with phones and technology and it's just a, it's just a different time now. Yeah. And how much of that stuff now wouldn't even be possible or feasible today. Well, we got, we got to be careful. We're about to start w- walking down that back in my day talk. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Bradley asks, this is a fun one. Nevada wins the championship. How do you guys celebrate? Well, ultimately, my body ceases to work. <laughs> so the championship game, the title game, is April 8th in Minneapolis. That's a Monday. So it means the final, the two final four games are on Saturday. And I think if that happens, the only sensible thing for me to do is jump on a plane to Reno mm-hmm. and then just drink all of the Coors Light. Yeah, I was I was going to say something like that. It's I'm parking my car somewhere. I'm <laughs> burying my keys in my backyard so I don't get behind the wheel and I'm Ubering somewhere downtown for Can you until... can you imagine downtown Reno if that happens? I mean, they would have to shut down Virginia Street or something, like like how they do the parades or all the festivals and everything. I mean, because it would just be absolute it madness. Would go nuts. And I would, I mean, it just sucks that you know the march happens during the time when Reno's freezing. Because it would be so dope if like in an alternate universe this was during the summer and like people, you know, they close off the the wall parking lot and they basically do an outdoor party at the wall. How sometimes they do that for football, but ultimately, yeah, Reno would have to shut down. That'd be. It's just fun to think about. Super. <laughs> now, I'm all, now I'm all excited. Super fun to think about. Fake Matt Mummy. Found us on Instagram. Bonus Instagram question. Borderline most personal question we've gotten so far. Are you, this is really relevant for Adam now, having just traveled or flown to Brazil to go see his girlfriend. Uh, are you guys members of the Mile High Club? If not, do you have the flexibility and grit, Nevada grit, hashtag, needed to pull off the feet? <laughs> I'll uh, let you start with this one. Well, I'll start off the, I'll answer with, have you seen my face? You got a face for podcasting. The odds are already in, not in my favor. Uh, grit wise, I'm there. (laughs) Ability to handle smells, not there. God. Airplane bag. That's one of those clubs that, in my mind, it sounds great in theory, but anytime I go to the bathroom on a plane, I am 
trying to get out of there as quickly as I can. Yeah. Uh, am I a member of the Mile High Club? No. Do I have the determination? No. Hell no. Well, I don't, I've never understood the appeal. The only appeal is to say that you actually did it. Um, so I don't know if there, if it's grit would be the word. I think it would be, um, do you have the alcohol level to pull off that feet? <laughs> yeah, that's, do you have enough time? How many Coors Lights have you slammed on that Reno to El- Las Vegas flight? <laughs> how many, how many Southwest free drink vouchers did you bring with you uh, on the plane? By the way, that, that's a scam. You only get one drink per flight. I mean, I pretty is that, much, I pretty is much, that what it is? No, but I mean, I pretty much only fly from the, my longest flight is that I ever take is Vegas to Portland. It's about two hours, and I usually only get one beer. They only come by once. Let me tell you, you hop on that LAX to Peru flight. They do a yeah, couple rounds. They do a couple. I would hope so. Random Reno, what do you got this week? The minimum annual training requirement to maintain firefighting and medical skills. Is 240 hours per year, which roughly averages to five hours a week. Now, if you think about that in terms of other professions, such as everyone who loves being an accountant, and if you're a CPA, they only require 40 hours annually. So that is a crazy amount of numbers, but it just goes to show how much upkeep and maintenance that those those types of jobs need. But I thought that was pretty interesting that there's that much training every year required. What does that have to do with Reno? That's what, like, the the requirement of here is. Oh, in Reno? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mine is the cli- – What do you think I'm talking about? You think I'm talking about Laramie? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You got real random there on me for a second. You just went random, yeah. random. I'm getting random on the, <laughs> random, <laughs> random, random. Uh, my, the climbing wall on the side of Whitney Peak, base camp, 164 feet tall. The tallest climbing wall in the world. Number one. So Reno is responsible for jeans, the Ferris wheel, roller coasters, and the tallest climbing wall in the world. I'm getting that tattooed on my back. Kind of cool. Hell yeah. And that's our show this week. Thank you to all of you for listening. Last Thursday kind of a fun, was a fun day for us. It was our biggest day in terms of downloads since we launched. We are incredibly grateful to be where we are, the growth we've been fortunate enough to, to go through with this podcast. And it's because you guys continue to listen. And we know that some of you are telling your friends and um, growing organically. is It's been a blast. I'm super excited. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to Sparky MSL for the iTunes five-star review of the week. Thank you to Mike Randall, co-host of Screen the Screener podcast and of Action Network for coming on and kind of squaring things up after, like I said, he pissed a lot of you guys off last month saying Nevada and the fan base need to wake up. And in a lot of ways, like I shared, I think he was right. You can follow us on Twitter at Shop Adam, at Shop Nathan. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the Reno Slant. We're five followers away from getting to our second goal of 150 followers. If you guys can help us get there, we would appreciate it greatly. Tip on Saturday versus Fresno, five o'clock at Lawler. Tip on Wednesday versus UNOV, eight o'clock at Lawler. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.